Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Rizil and I'm the host of the show where I get to interview Olympic athletes and hopefuls on their story and path to the games. And today, very, very special guest. We have Laura Wilkinson, USA Diving Olympic gold medalist, has been to the games three times as an athlete, twice as a reporter, and he's gunning for one more now in 2020. Um, super excited. This story is incredible. The first time she went to the Games, she actually won a gold medal with a broken foot. We get real deep into that and get to go over everything. Um, due to time constraints, we got to the rest of the story, but not nearly as deep as I wanted to. This is easily could have been a three-hour-long podcast, but I understand people have things that they have to get going to. And Laura... Um, has her own podcast, so that will be in the show notes as well. And she is also starting a mental training course, which is actually due to be released this week. Everything will be in the show notes. We talk about it a little bit during the show, um, but the website will be in there. So if you're interested, you can go in, check it out. She's doing a very limited run the first time, making sure everything works, and then she will be releasing it to a much wider audience as expected. So thank you guys so much for listening. Laura Wilkinson, absolutely incredible. But first, if you ever wanted to launch your own podcast but didn't know where to start, Laura launched her own. I launched my own. Why can't anybody, right? If so, you're in good luck. Uh, you are in luck because I just partnered with launchingpodcasts.com, a step-by-step video course to easily launch a podcast. I actually used all of the information from this course to launch my podcast, and I've seen some amazing results. We have well over 6,000 downloads. Um, I've literally made it to every single continent on planet Earth other than you know Antarctica. But uh, why did I create a podcast? So I could grow my brand, build new relationships, and become a thought leader in the space. And now you can too. Head over to launchingpodcasts.com and get $50 off by using promo code Mike at checkout. That's launchingpodcasts.com, promo code Mike. And without further ado, here is Laura. All right, today's special guest, Laura Wilkinson of USA Diving three-time Olympian, technically have been five-time, shooting for a sixth gold medal winner, born November 17th, 1977, down in Houston, Texas. I say down in because I'm up here in the Northeast. Sorry about that. Uh, started diving in high school and was kicked off her team. Um, I know I told her already a couple times, but we got a little Michael Jordan thing going on, so I'm super excited for that. Graduated from the University of Texas in 2001, attended the 2004 and 08 Olympic Games, won a gold medal in 2000, attended the 12 and 16 Games as a reporter. She's making a comeback to go to 2020 and has been inducted into, count them, five Hall of Fames. Laura, thanks for hanging out with us today. (laughs) Thanks for having me on. The pleasure, I promise you is all mine. Laura, all right. So let's just, let's just start at the beginning. That's where I like most stories to start. Um, tell us about growing up in Houston, nice, hot and humid. I have a couple friends down there. That's all they ever tell me about. They say it's pretty, but it's humid. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take it off from there. Yeah. It doesn't do much for the hair. Definitely the, ah, you know, uh, the hair, but that's okay. I, I like it warm. I got thin blood. I wouldn't handle it up North where you are. Uh, no, believe me. I hate it up here too, but enough about me. Um, no, I loved it. It was, I mean, it's all I've known. I've always lived in, in the greater Houston area. And so, um, Texas is my jam. And I kind of started as a gymnast when I was, you know, like second grade ish. And that's kind of how I got my start. I guess actually the teachers called my mom and said I was doing all these front handsprings on the cement next to the playground and that I should start something. And so my mom gave me a choice between gymnastics and ice skating. And apparently I was always already flipping. So I said gymnastics and, uh, loved it. It was great. Um, had a pretty good run, you know, like six or seven years. And I just got to the point at 13 that I realized I was not going to be Mary Lou Retton, which is what Ah. I wanted to be. I know. And, but I was, you know, very logical and realized that I was just not going to be that. I could hang on for college, but that just didn't appeal to me. I wanted to find something I could go to the Olympics in. So 
I quit gymnastics and pursued a bunch of other sports, trying to find that, that one thing, you know, tennis, track, softball, all the things, uh, finally found diving. It wasn't until the end of my freshman year in high school, kind of ran into an ex gymnast friend who had started diving. And so they said, Hey, come to the pool, check it out. So we did. And I fell in love with that. I mean, there was just rock and roll blaring on the radio. It was outside. It was flipping into the pool. I mean, what could be better? I was going to say the, uh, the equivalent of flipping on a mat right into uh, flipping into water. Uh, this is pretty easy, easy correlation to make, right? Well, you'd think so, except you have to lean on your head and not your feet. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I mean, you know, the whole, the allure is there. I think that's what, uh, that's what I was trying to get to. And also just one quick question, ice skating in Texas, man, that, that has to be crazy down there, right? It's so hot. Everyone just goes into the ice skating rink in the summer. Is that how it works? There's not very many ice skating rinks. So I was going to say. Commitment, commitment to drive. So that just wasn't appealing to me at all. <laughs> yeah, I could understand that. Not, not too, too surprising there. So, um, so you met a friend. She, he or she said, hey, come on, let's go jump into a pool together. You're all for it. Tell us about, I guess, your first time diving and what like really made you fall in love with this sport that you've now spent however many years trying to, uh, trying to compete in. Well, I mean, I think one of the things with all the other sports I had tried, I was good at all of them, um, but I, they just didn't fit. You know, I think I missed the acrobatics. I missed the flipping. So the fact that I could do the flipping into the pool and, and I'd always been a lot of, you know, a fish. My parents had a pool in our backyard. So um, I just, I loved that. And the whole vibe to it too, I think it was just the feel. Gymnastics was so strict and so rigid. And then I'm on this team where they're laughing and goofing around during practice, but yet they're training really hard. And, you know, there's people going off this really high platform and it just, I don't know. It was just a really cool environment and I loved it. And I got thrown into a group, all of ex-gymnasts who'd quit maybe like, I don't know, started six months before me um, in the pool. And so we were very competitive with each other. And I think that was the best thing because we all excelled really quickly. And mm -hmm. I loved it. I thought it was, it was great. You know, I mean, within two years, I made a national championships and um, won a synchronized title and made it to a world cup. And I mean, it was kind of crazy. It was like a, a really fast learning curve and um, kind of got thrown on the international scene really quickly. That is incredible. What what do you attribute to your, I mean, crazy trajectory? Because yeah, in two years, I mean, again, there is, and I know it's not apples, uh, apples to apples, but the the flipping, the acrobatics, as you said, there there has to be some carryover there. So, but but still, what what do you think was the biggest factor into you, again, just having some crazy trajectory right out right out of the cannon? I mean, I think there were a lot of factors. I mean, I think it was the group I was put into specifically. Um, and I think our coach, I mean, he is, he is in my opinion, the, the best in the world. And he's, he's always been really amazing. Um, but he, I think he was the first one who really ever told me I could do what I wanted to do. I was, I always wanted to go to the Olympics, but I was embarrassed to tell people I wasn't always that great at other things. So, you know, it was like this embarrassing dream I had, but he asked me point blank, like, what are your goals in diving? And I, I told him very sheepishly, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to, I, I think I said, I want to win the Olympics. And he said, he just looked at me and he goes, okay, let's make that our goal. And I was just like, really, you can do that. <laughs> like That's a thing. And so I think because he actually was not even floored and just like, okay, well, if that's your goal, like this is how you do it. And, and we just proceeded forward and it just was groundbreaking to me that, that this was actually a thing you could try and do. Yeah. You can just set goals sometimes. No, I love that. And yet, <laughs> would you look at that? How about that? The, the, and so how you were, what, like 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there? Yeah, I was 15 when I started, like right before okay. sophomore year of high school. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. And yeah, I guess that does make sense. Um, I'm sure at 15, if I had some crazy big goals, I would have been pretty embarrassed. But teenagers, man, we're the worst. So there, there is that. Um, but thankfully, thankfully uh, you, had a, you had a great guy to help you get over that. 
Oh yeah, he was definitely the best. Um, you know, it was kind of funny because that same that same year I started diving, I was on the high school diving team, and I mean, you kind of mentioned earlier I got kicked off, and the thing was I was one of the only people who ever showed up to the practice, and the coach didn't like me for it because he was a swimming coach, and we were just kind of annoying to him, and I, you know, I was a little bullheaded and you know didn't agree with a lot of things he had to say and would kind of, you know, walk a fine line and stuff, and so he finally told me to to get out of the practice. He was going to kick me out. And so I went to the counselor because I had a really good GPA and I wanted to do well in school too. And I said, he can't just kick me out of the class. Like it's, it's a grade, you know what I mean? Or cause he had threatened to lower my grade if I didn't get out. That's what uh, I Okay. 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 And so I went to the counselor and I was like, he can't do that. Like I got this great GPA. I can't, he can't lower my grade. And he goes, well, you should just go into a study hall. Like the counselor was not helpful at all. He basically mm. told me to let this guy win and just walk away. Like I was furious. My mom called the school. She was mad. And so kind of from there, I don't have the best high school memories, but mm -hmm. it was awesome because the same great coach, Kenny Armstrong, who was my club coach said, high school diving doesn't matter. If you want to go to the Olympics, you don't do that at the high school state meet. Like mm -hmm. you do that here and you go to nationals and you go to international meets and like, this is how you do it. And so it just kind of freed me up to not worry about that. But yet it also lit a fire of like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, mm -hmm. I am worth something. You mm -hmm. know? I, I, we don't have to name names, but man, I really hope that coach goes around and tells everybody's like, you know, I, I, I coached her one time this, that one day, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a fun story. I'm sure he gets to tell and, and then remembers that he kicked you out. And then the whole, again, have you reached out to Michael Jordan about your story at all by any chance? No, you know, nope. not like besties or anything. But. Oh, man. <laughs> Try it. See what happens. Worst comes to worst, you're in the same spot, right? I, I don't know. Can't hurt. Um, that is great. So I guess, so then, so you're in high school. You're in your, I guess, essentially, is, is the equivalent to like AAU basketball? Is that kind of a good I analogy? I don't okay. know about AAU basketball. Cool. Perfect, perfect, perfect. No worries then. We'll keep rocking and rolling. Um, so then when is your first national competition you said in two years you're already making a national team going an international competition what is that like and i mean did you have time to kind of sit back and be like whoa i'm actually not only on the path but but very much closer to my goals than i was even just a few short years ago yeah so like a year in i made it to like the junior nationals um, mm -hmm. on platform which i had started diving like a month or two before um and and that was eye-opening because after like two dives i was in fifth place and then the rest of the dives happened and i was like almost last <laughs> at the end of the meet um but you know i got to go and that kind of also lit that fire and so like the next year i came back and i had made the senior national championships and the junior nationals um and final did really well i think i was second at juniors and um I don't know, maybe fourth or fifth at, at seniors, but they also had started this thing called synchronized diving, which was brand new in 1995. And my coach's wife, Patty was the national champion and a really good platform diver. And I had just started up there and he said, why don't you guys pair up? You have similar body types. Like, why don't, why don't you guys just try it? And I was starting to have kind of what you, what we called standing disease, like where you stand up because you're three stories high and you're terrified and you start thinking too much and you don't go. Um, but when Patty was up there next to me, she literally didn't even count to three. She'd say one, two, go. And we had to go. And so there's no way I can let her down. So I went every time and it was so helpful that I would count out loud to myself to just get myself off the tower. And so I became like one of the fastest divers after that, but that synchronized, it helps so much. Like she showed me that you can work really hard and be a goofball at the same time and enjoy what you do, but be very serious. Like you can do all these things at the same time. And we actually won nationals and went to a world cup that was in the Atlanta Olympic pool. It was the test event for the Atlanta Olympic mm -hmm. Games. So 
that was like the closest to going to an Olympics. And I'd never been to an international meet. Like it was just all these things that like I could see my, I, my dreams became like, mm-hmm. you know yeah. what I mean? It was so cool. Um, but then that next year I just missed making the Olympic trials. So that was like a real bummer. But I remember it happened at the 96 Indoor Nationals. Um, I had just missed it by like less than two points. And I was just devastated. And I remember Mark Lindsay, who had won the gold medal in 1992, had come up to me and he said, you know, the same thing has happened to me. Like I've, I've come so close and missed out on things. He's like, you just got to let this light a fire inside you for the next four years. And I remember when he said that, it was just daunting. Like four years? I got to wait four years? But then that switch flipped, you know, I grieved a little bit and then I switched that flip, I flipped that switch and it was just like, all right, we're doing this. I came that close. Like I can do this. That's awesome. (laughs) No, I love it. I mean, you had the fire and then it, you got super close. So I'm sure that fire died down because you were so unbelievably close and then it almost, it got lit again by just kind of missing it by, as you said, less than two points. Oh man, that is frustrating. And four years later, you did eventually go. Let's all remember that. You did pretty well when you were there too. So, um, so one thing I want to do, let's take a timeout. I always like to do this. Um, so with sports that we consider here in the United States, Olympic sports, um, we really, I'm not going to lie to you, Laura. I wish I was, but we really only watch it once every four years, which is kind of frustrating. So you are a synchronized diver, correct? And individual. And, and, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess tell us, like a layman like myself who again only only watches it once every four years or if it comes on the olympic channel which i do have and do occasionally tune into tell us some of the intricacies or some of the little things that i would not notice unless i had someone like you sitting on my couch next to me to say oh did you see that oh this is how it works could you just give us a little bit of information so that the next time i do watch it which is coming up not too long you know we're gonna (laughs) see you again um just give us a little information so we can really have a a great foundation when we go into it um in, in you know the upcoming year well, when you're watching synchronized diving, that's really a great spectator sport because mm-hmm. you don't have to know much about it to know if it's going right or wrong. It's two divers. They go at the same dive. They're doing the exact same dive. Mm-hmm. They need to be the same distance. They want to be either vertical, short, or they want to be together exactly the same. Um, and there's they get individual scores like based on their dives, but then there's an overall impression of the synchronized dive mm-hmm. as a whole. And so that's a great spectator sport. I mean, if you think it's bad, it probably was. If it doesn't look like a double mint gum commercial, then it was not a great dive. Um, individually, what's really challenging challenging is it's all about entry. Like everybody wants to get this really clean, absolutely no splash entry, but the judges look for toe point. They look for straight legs if they're supposed to be straight. You know, they, they look for all the little fine details, Mm -hmm. but still at the end, they kind of give an overall impression. It's not like gymnastics where you're, you know, a 9.825 or whatever it is. It's kind of, okay, well, I think that was in the excellent range. So it's going to be between an eight and a 10. And maybe what's the difference between her and, and and another diver. I'll, I'll bump her up a half a point. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I always thought the smaller the the splash, the better, right? Like, oh. I think everybody knows that, but... It's not, not the cannonball. Company. Not the cannonball. Rats. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for that. Always good to understand. Because, yeah, again, we can all judge a splash, but I, I'm not really noticing toe points and, and uh, everything along that nature. And, yeah, of course, synchronized diving, does it look exactly the same? Yes. Deal. That's good enough for me. That's a, I will not be a judge um, because all of you can do way cooler things than I can sitting on my couch eating popcorn. But anyway, so let's go back to your story a little bit. So after high school, you go to Texas. So this is right after you just miss out on the Olympic um, national trials. You go to Texas, rock and roll, hook them horns. We're back, baby. We're back. Um, 
so tell us about your time at Texas. I, I know the diving team. I actually had the opportunity to speak with uh, another diver, and he went to Texas, then transferred this, that, and the other thing. It was a personal thing, but I know you guys have a pretty solid diving team there. So tell us about what it was like diving for, I mean, pretty much your not hometown, but like Houston and Austin aren't that far apart. Sorry, I don't yeah. mind Texas geography it's that my, well. It's but my home state. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, close enough, close enough. So tell us what it was like there getting out um, and really getting onto the, the collegiate diving scene and seeing and understanding and learning more uh, while you were there. Um, yeah, there was a lot of great lessons from that. And it, it's kind of funny because when I first came on, I was kind of like the big dog. Like I was one of mm -hmm. the better divers like coming in and, and you know, that felt that always feels really good, but I was only there for a semester until we got a Russian diver, Vera Elena, and she was amazing. And she was a 96 Olympian. And so it was like, man, you know, just can't catch a break. But the cool thing was, um, you know, we got to know her really well, but I was always striving to beat her and she was only a springboard diver. She didn't do platform, but my springboard game in increased so much because I was always trying to rise to her level and I practiced every single day with her and I saw what she did and it, at one meet I finally I came within 10 points once and she kind of made fun of me like oh good try and then at the next meet I actually ended up beating her so uh yeah that was kind of fun we joke about that quite a bit we're good friends still so um that that actually helped me so much we had so many competitions with all the dual meets and stuff, we're in just a, a regular, you know, national season, there's only a handful of meets, but with collegiate season, you've got meets like every single weekend and you get, it's great practice because you can just learn how you operate best in a meet. You can try different things. It gives you so many opportunities to try different things mentally. And I think I learned a lot about myself during those years that was really, really beneficial. Um, I, Matt Scoggins, the coach there, he's been the coach there since two years before I started on the team. Um, and he's phenomenal. He's built a great team. He's really mellow and, and really nice unless you push his buttons really, really far. He'll finally get onto you, but, um, he's amazing. And I think he had just come off the 92 Olympics. He's a 92 Olympian. And so he could really relate back in 96 as an athlete. And so we kind of had a little bit different of a relationship, which was pretty cool. And when I had to actually leave college after my third year, he was very understanding. Um, and it was a tough situation, but um, I, one of the other things that I really loved about college real quick is just that diving is an individual sport. I mean, you do do synchro, you might have one partner, but like, it's not a big team sport and I've never really been in a big team sport, but in college it's swimming and diving. And our whole swim team would come watch us dive because we mattered. Like it mattered what we did. It added points to them and we were a really good team. And so learning how to support others and how to be supported and how to be part of this bigger thing. And, and the wins just meant more when you did it with a group of people than it was by yourself. And so that was a really cool experience that I just, hope you know so many athletes get a chance to be a part of sharing a win is pretty cool uh you know obviously i'm sure we've all played some sort of individual sport at some point in our lives whether that was a very young age or whatever but being able to share that with others i think is a huge huge opportunity um only because you can feed off each other's emotions and it makes the win sweeter it makes the losses a little less hurtful sometimes maybe more if you know you feel like you um either were let down or you let down but i think that there's a huge lesson to learn and it sounds like you know, at down at Texas, you were, you had the opportunity to do that. Nice horns. That was yes. Funny. Yes. No one can see it, but I'm, I'm giving you the horns the whole time, this whole episode. I'm just going to hold them. No, okay. Um, um, so you made a really great point. Um, 
And I want to talk a little bit about that leading into the the 2000 games. We'll we'll take a step back for a second. What is it like in an individual sport where you're essentially competing against your teammates constantly? I mean, it sounds like you took that and it drove you. Um, stinks that you went from from head honcho to oh that other girl. I'm sure it wasn't quite like that, but you know we all need to chip on our shoulder every once in a while. Um, but like, what is that like being best friends or, or very good friends with people, spending so much time with them, but then needing to back to your your saying flip the switch to no, this is pure competition and I'm going to beat you because this is what I'm trying to do. How did, how did you deal with that kind of tug of emotions and, and those feelings? I mean, it sounds like constantly. Yeah, I think there's a lot of layers to it. I mean, because I really wasn't always out to get her. Like, I mean, I, no, but, I had to do I had to do my dives well in yeah. order to do that. But that was like one of my kind of secret goals. Mm-hmm. Not really maybe so secret, but <laughs> um, I think there's a lot of layers to it. And I, I am very fortunate to have come from a team where like the atmosphere is incredible and everybody's like a family. And even generation after generation, because I've been doing this kind of a long time, it's always been like that. And so, you know, the coaches have kind of built that atmosphere. I know a lot of people come from teams that aren't like that. And it's there's more of a struggle. There's more infighting and things like that. But, you know, what I've learned over the years is like when you can build other people up, it builds you up too. And so if I'm my friends and my teammates and I'm, I'm building them up and I'm helping them become better, it makes me rise to the occasion too. So, you know, if we can look at it that way, instead of always this head on head thing, I think everybody can get better because ultimately your goal is like what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like you've got your end goal, you've got the things you want to do. And you know what? so-and-so could come up here and totally smoke you unknown. They can come out of nowhere or, you know, they can, they can totally fall, but you still have to stand up and do your dives. It really doesn't matter at the end of the day. So I think there's, you know, there's so many layers. It's kind of hard to mm-hmm. explain, but that's, that's a little bit of the gist of it. No, absolutely. And you know, nothing's perfect. And no one has, I, I ask every athlete that, um, is an individual sport. I mean, you're training with these people and you're best friends with them, but you know, as to your point, you're not out to get anybody, but at the same time you're out to win. And if that means having to beat them along the way, so be it. Um, I found most people have, uh, have a fiery enough nature that they're able to put those two things apart. And it sounds like you're capable of doing that as well. So then let's go, um, ahead. So you had to leave Texas to go to the Olympics, right? It was right in the middle of college. As you said, your junior year was, it it sounds like there was, something around that from the way you spoke about it yeah Um, well it was it was the olympic year and yeah when you're diving in college i mean it takes up all your time you're doing school and you're going on all these meets every single weekend there's just a lot going on and you're tapering at different times for different reasons and i knew that if i wanted to go to the olympics and that that was my goal i had to train for that and i couldn't handle all the distractions of school and this other you know competition season and stuff and so I wanted to go home to train with my original coach, Kenny Armstrong, to like fully like just put my whole self in it. This is my only shot. I'm like, want to give it everything I've got to try to make it there. And, um, but to do that, I had to leave my scholarship because they didn't have Olympic waivers back then. They didn't have red shirts unless you were injured. Like they didn't, that wasn't really an option to hold a scholarship. And so I had to make the decision, do I keep diving or am I done with college? You know, I had done three seasons. I had won two NCAAs. I'd gotten like eight All-American honors. Like, I, you know, I'd kind of done everything I wanted to do. You know, yeah, I could add a couple more to it, but, you know, that wasn't, to me, it wasn't going to make a huge difference. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I thought it was smarter to not like try and hold a scholarship away from somebody because the Olympics in Sydney were also at a weird time. They were in end of September and usually it's like in July and August. So I would have missed a whole nother semester. So even if I had come back, I would have launched right into collegiate season in January, you know, or as soon as I came back and I just, that just didn't sound like a great idea. And so when I went to talk to Matt to tell him, you know, I think I'm going to go home 
to train and I, and I don't want to hold this scholarship. I want you to, to use it for somebody. I don't want to waste it. Um, you know, he, he was very understanding. Um, he was upset, you know, obviously, but I mean, he never yelled, never raised his voice. He was just disappointed, I guess I could say, but he just said the incredible words of, um, you know, if I were in your shoes, I think I would do the same thing. And it was, like what coach does that? I mean, he's so humble and so understanding and was just so supportive and encouraging of what we did. And the cool thing was he was one of the Olympic coaches in 2000 also. So we got to be there with him and that was just really, you know, it was kind of extra special and it was still good terms to walk away. And like, he still coaches me, you know, if we go to meets or I've trained with some of his athletes before. So, um, it's just really nice that it, it stayed a good situation. That is good. Um, everything does come full circle, though, of course. I mean, with him ending up being one of the coaches on the 2000 team, I mean, that's incredible. I'll be honest, I did not remember that the Sydney Games were in September. I was definitely like eight at the time, so I'm not surprised that I don't remember that. But um, I do remember watching it, and I do remember loving it, and that's always the important thing. So you had to leave school, understandably. I mean, if did anyone, like after what you did in 1995, 96 with almost making the Olympics, could it really have been a surprise at that point? Like, it seems like it was almost like the course of action that you were going to take, right? Well, I mean, I was one of the, the top athletes, but I mean, other people don't, you know, dove through college and then they would just go to the Olympic trials after their collegiate season. Like a lot of, most people did that. Most people didn't leave and go home and try to, try to do this thing. But, but I knew that if I wanted to like, not just make the team, but, but be on the podium, mm -hmm. I needed to put like everything into it. Like, I just knew that was the plan. I had talked to Kenny and he thought that was what I should do. And, and I was willing to do that because I, I wanted to do whatever it was going to take. And you did it and it, uh, it worked out pretty well. Um, also, very, very nonchalant way of just saying, oh, yeah, I went a couple NCAAs, eight-time All-American, whatever. Not a big deal. <laughs> I did it all. What more can I? No, I kid. I kid. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, let's let's rock right into it. I guess what was, what was that time once you were able to leave Texas and just start just only focusing on diving? Like, how much did you even notice that your game really did increase and that it, you know, all that time spent on just diving really did help, again, propel you to the, the gold in 2000? Well, I mean, it wasn't exactly the plan we were kind of hoping for. Like I, you know, first left and came home and it was just summertime. So it didn't feel any different. We mm -hmm. had our nationals were actually in the woodlands where I was training and, and that went well, but I ended up breaking my hand on my head. I broke my thumb um, at that nationals. So I ended up with a cast at the beginning of the season, you know, in the fall. So I was like, well, that wasn't what we were hoping for. But a few months later, um, I actually ended up with three broken bones in my foot and a big old cast and um, it was all mangled up. Like we were, we were to meet in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. We just come off a Grand Prix in Germany, I think. And uh, we went right to this meet in Florida and we were doing dry land, like just typical somersaults onto mats. Um, and I happened to come out of this one somersault a little bit early and I hit both of my feet on the block of wood that I was jumping off of. And um, yeah, it was it was frustrating. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't stand up on it. I was really upset. It's obviously March. It's getting really close to like the June trials. Kenny basically carries me to the emergency room because I couldn't walk. And the doctor there told me it would hurt more and be more swollen if it was broken. And so he didn't x-ray it. He just gave me a pair of crutches and told me to like go on my way. And well, we're sitting here thinking, okay, well maybe it's not that bad, <laughs> you know, like just trying to hope for ignorant bliss here, you know, but I was in excruciating pain that night. Like I couldn't sleep. I was on the floor with my feet up on the bed, just trying to make the pain go away. And, um, I, it was just, it was a rough few days. I was stuck there for almost a week and, um, we finally got our flights home and went to my doctor here at home. And she came into the room with like tears in her eyes and said, if I'd seen this when it happened, I might've been able to reset it. But now it's been a week. And essentially like, you know, your feet are kind of like your hands, like you have knuckles, you know, and I broke the middle three 
and one of the knuckles kind of actually slid in between two of the bones and underneath it. And so it was like standing on a rock. Like I kept thinking things felt weird, but it was like standing on a rock. Well, it had calcified within that week and grew what they called a bone bridge to the bones next to it. So it was locked in there. And so she said, well, we're going to have to re-break everything, pin it back together, all that stuff. And there's, you won't be, you might not be out of a cast by Olympic trials in that case. Like there's just no way you can do that. I said, well, what do we do then? <laughs> and she, she just kind of looked at me and she's like, well, we can cast it the way it is and we can hope that it heals well enough to walk on, maybe jump off of. I mean, can you imagine like you're, you're three months out of the Olympic trials trying to make all your dreams come true. I've left a scholarship. I've come home. I'm spending all my time trying to do this. And I just, it felt like sand just like slipping through your fingers, you know? Um, it's that first week, that like mix of emotions. I mean, I was I was mad. I was upset. I was frustrated. I was almost relieved a little bit. You know what I mean? Like there's that feeling of like, well, nobody can blame me if I don't make it now. You know what I mean? Like there's all these weird thoughts that go through your head. And I just remember like the gravity of it hitting me in the middle of my living room. I dropped my crutches and I fell to the ground and I just started bawling. I started yelling at God, like, how can this be part of the plan? Like, how can this be good for me? You know, but it was kind of in those moments where I really... I realized like this had always been my dream. This is always what I had wanted to do. And I didn't know if I was going to get another shot. And so if this is it, and I have to drag myself on one leg up that tower, I have to got to figure out a way to do this. And my coach, Kenny came in, like, I don't know, maybe it was the next morning or something banging on my door at like 6am. And I remember opening the door and he like comes shaking his finger in my face and I'm hopping backwards on one foot. And he's telling me if, if you're going to do this, we've got to, we've got to just go for it. We can't look back. Like if you're going to, you've got to make up your mind. And I was like, okay. And I don't think he was ready for that, but I'd kind of made that piece the day mm-hmm. before. And, and he's like, oh, oh okay, like we're going to do this. And so we kind of started thinking outside the box. Like obviously I had a big old cast on and, you know, he would hold my crutches and I would hop up the ladder, like all the way to the top on my one good foot and shimmy my way out to the end. And I'd start going through all the actions of my dives and he would coach me from the deck. You know, I would do like kind of pretend half handstands. I'd stand backwards. I had to stand backwards. If there were people in practice, he'd make me wait my turn in line. Um, you know, it was all the things I, we watched a lot of video study. I kind of put all the, the dives that I had done really well in the order I was going to compete them. And I put them together in a video and I'd like watch them over and over again while I listened to like my favorite music. Anytime that music was on, it was like the dives were on instant replay in my brain, you know? So we did a lot of that kind of thing. And, you know, it was, it was hard, you know, after like 10 weeks of that, you know, it, you get to this point where you're like, what on earth am I doing? Like I'm pretending to dive. How is pretending to dive going to get me to the Olympic Games, let alone on the top of the podium? I'm pretending to dive. I mean, it was, it was such a hard time, but I remember all the kids on our team, you know, and they were all age groupers. Like they were anywhere from eight to 18. I was 22 coming back from college. And I remember it was like right around that time, they just started coming up to me going, you know, I really think you can do this. Like, don't give up. Like, you got this. You got this. And so I'd go up and I'd do a, a, a dive and a pretend entry from the 10 meter. And I'd hear them on the other side of the pool going, I didn't see a drop of water. That was amazing. I'd give it a 10. And they start clapping, you know, and it, it probably looked nuts to like anyone watching us. But for me, it made me feel like I was part of something. And it made me feel like what I would, was doing wasn't stupid anymore. Like I was actually working towards something. And this belief that Kenny and I had, like these kids were now invested in it and, and believing for me when I couldn't, when I doubted, like the one moment I wanted to give up. And it, it just made such a difference. You know, so it was three casts and 10 weeks later, I finally got back in the water and I only had 
two and a half, three weeks before the Olympic trials. And that's a, a really fast time just to get your dives off, let alone like have them good. But the cool thing was because I had been up on 10 meter every single day, it wasn't like sometimes when you take a break and you're, you're off of it for a month and you come back and it's scary again, I'd been up there every day and I'd been thinking about all those actions. So it came back so quickly and I ended up winning the Olympic trials by like 40 points and making that team. And, you know, three months later we won in Sydney and it was, yeah, it was just kind of incredible. But I, I think if I hadn't gone through that and if I hadn't broken my foot, there's no way I would have been on top of the podium. I probably would have made the Olympic team. I think I had a good shot at that, but like, I don't think there was, would have been any way I could have been um, on top of my game in the moment when it counted. Yeah, that's, um, that's incredible. Also hilarious from all those little kids that that's just, <laughs> not little kids. I'm sure as you said, 18, but that, that is fantastic that they all got to buy into. I mean, visualization is extremely powerful um, in normal people's lives, kind of like myself and also in elite unbelievable athletes lives kind of like yourself Laura um so I'm definitely curious like obviously it sounds like you did a lot of visualization but I'm not gonna lie I can't understand half the dives you guys and girls do just watching it on tv like how do you how do you build a routine like you already know what you're gonna do but for 10 weeks you don't do it like what is that muscle memory loss like what is it like trying to just pick it up that quickly I mean again visualization is important but I feel like diving is one of the sports where if you're not doing it there's a like huge gap in, okay, this is what I want to do. Okay. Now let me set out to try and do it. Like, how did you overcome that so quickly and, and be able to just pick it, pick right back up where you left off? Uh, well, I mean, I think when you visualize in your mind, I think it's a lot more powerful than you. I mean, you're, you're a fan of it, but I think it's a lot more powerful than you think. I mean, there was a study done that they said they had, um, these people like lifting weights and then a group just thinking about lifting weights and the group just, I think the group that lifted had like maybe, I don't know, 20% gain or something like that. But the group that was just thinking about lifting still increased their muscle mass by like 13% or something like it's powerful. It's amazing what it does. And I wasn't just thinking about it. Like I was actually going through the motions with my arms as much as I could with my legs. I tried to keep in as good a shape as I could with one leg. You know what I mean? I was doing everything else that you could possibly do. So, um, yeah, it was, it, it's crazy. The mind is very, very powerful. And I've seen that over and over again throughout my career. No, I love it. And I do it. Um, and I do believe in it. Don't get me wrong. I didn't, I didn't mean to, um, you know, come at it from that angle. It's just very confusing to me already what you're doing on a diving board. And then to kind of, it was more, it's more of the muscle memory part that I'm curious about. Like clearly again, you can visualize it. And, and I think again, I'm all for it. Huge, powerful. I do it literally every single morning, but I'm just curious. I mean, if I feel like if you put everybody in that situation, not everybody's going to the Olympic games and winning, not everybody's going to the Olympic trials and winning by 40 points. So I'm just like, what was it that helped you then get from, okay, now I can get into the water, bang, I already have it and everything's done. Like how, what, what else was involved or was it purely, do you think just the visualization and the, the ability to go through the, I'm not saying go through the motions right. as a, you know what I mean though, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think that's valid. But I, I mean, it wasn't like I was just sitting there thinking about my dives. I mean, like I said, I was still working out. I was still doing as much mm -hmm. as I could. We had, when I got to the point where I could wear a boot and I could walk in a boot, I could take that off and get in the water. And mm -hmm. I would I would kind of use the wall of the pool like it was the platform and I would mm -hmm. push up one foot and I would rotate underwater. So I was okay, okay. feeling things. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to simulate as much as we could. Um, but I think there's just also that, 
intensity and I had a purpose and there were, there were all of these layers of things. And so when I got back in the water, I mean, I got all my 10 meter dives off in three days and that's for me, at least that was unheard of. Like usually it took me a month or two to get like dives back off. Cause you know, it's just, it's scary out there <laughs> and it's hard, <laughs> but I mean, I got everything off in like three days and I was ready, you know, like I was, I, my mind was just in a different place than it had ever been before, you know, because it had to be. Mm-hmm. I love it. And clearly um, it worked too. Let's not forget that. So one thing I do want to make sure again, with many of these sports, unfortunately, most of America only watches them once every four years and we only watch the Olympics. Can you actually explain the qualification process? Because I'll be honest, sometimes I just turn it on. I was like, okay, cool. This person's here, but I have no idea how they got there. Yeah. It's, and it's changed. Uh, Every quad seems to be different. It seems like that. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, at least at the last Olympic trials, it was, you know, the top two, like you have to, well, let me back up before Olympic trials, the United States actually has to qualify their spot into the Olympic Mm -hmm. games. So they're at the world championships and the world cup before the Olympic games, the U S has to earn spots based on either finaling or being in the next 18 for um, synchronized. It's really 17s because there's only eight spots and the host country gets one of those spots. So it's only seven teams that get to go from there. So um, it's kind of a battle. Like we haven't always had all our teams. Sometimes we miss a synchro team or we miss an individual spot. So you have to fight for those spots. And like, if I go and I earn a spot, I don't necessarily get that spot. I still have to go fight for it at the Olympic trials. So it's, it's a hard, it's a hard game. Um, but at the Olympic trials, it's generally back to, if we have two spots for individual, the top two people on a combined series of lists, usually there's like three lists of dives that you do. Um, and they're all added together. And then the top two usually go and then the top synchro team, but it has changed. There's been some years where we've had selection procedures and, you know, the scores didn't necessarily matter. So it's, it's always different. You got to learn how to play their game. Hey, yeah. I mean, that's, that's half the battle, I guess, is knowing how to play the game. Um, (laughs) That's great. So, I mean, obviously it sounds like your spot or, or the spot for your particular dive was already qualified for correct going into. So then you, how do you personally make the Olympic trials? Did I miss that? Uh, oh, to make the Olympic trials, you usually yeah. qualify from like a nationals. Like if you're um, okay, okay, okay. They'll, they they probably have a score you have to meet, and then a certain placing at a nationals within the last couple of years. Okay, so thankfully you already did all that. So this broken foot really was just the the actual act of, but you had the ability to go to, and it sounds like again went there, absolutely crushed it, and the turnaround then. So June was the trials, and then September was the games, right? So tell us what that that little period of time in between is like getting all your affairs in order and then actually going to the games and experiencing the Olympics. Well, usually it's much faster. Like we usually have Olympic trials in June and then you turn around and you're leaving in July for the games. And this, so this was different. We had a couple of months. And so we went on a tour, I think like the week after the Olympic trials, maybe two weeks after we went on this like six city tour where we were doing diving shows all over the country. And that was a little crazy. Like I know gymnastics does that after the Olympics, we'd never really done anything like that. And so that was a lot of fun. Um, we got to know the team really well. We kind of bonded and stuff like that. So that was really cool. We went to an international meet in Spain to kind of gear up for it and then came back and competed at the nationals here that were uh, like in August. And the hard thing for me was when we were in Spain, my dad had had a stroke and I didn't know, nobody told me because they were like, well, he can't get home and he's okay. Like he's going to be fine. But nobody told me because they, they didn't want to upset me. So I was furious when I came home, found out he had a stroke and I was supposed to leave in three days to go to nationals and then straight to the Olympics. So that was a, a really stressful time for me. Um, but fortunately everything was caught early and, and all the effects were able to be reversed and, um, he actually made it to Sydney to watch. And so that was, that was good, but very, like I said, very stressful. But I mean, the whole thing is, 
it's just crazy because you go, you'll usually go, um, the team will meet up at a certain city where, where the entire U.S. Olympic team, like all the different sports will come in through different days and you go through what they call processing and you get like all your cool outfitting. Like they give you a checklist and a shopping cart and you basically go from table to table and you just get all this stuff. You get your opening ceremonies and your closing ceremony outfits and your warmups and your just training gear and just all this kind of stuff. It's just that's really fun. Everybody loves that. Who doesn't love that? Um, you have a bunch of meetings that you go to talking about how to handle the media and, you know, how to act, you know, and represent your country well, like all those kinds of things. And um, then you, then you go and you're usually there. I mean, we get there at least two weeks before opening ceremonies. So we're usually there for like a month. It's a long trip, but that way you get used to, you know, you get over jet lag, you have time to get used to the facility. Um, and a lot of times, um, once we're there for a little bit, you get used to it. Then they give us a training trip in that country, but like to another site just to kind of get out of the craziness to kind of get your mind out of it. Cause when you're there for a long time, it can be really draining you know, just all the excitement and anticipation. So they kind of take us out and then you'll come back. Um, and then the competitions start, you know, opening ceremonies and then competitions start and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure I get to live vicariously through you and the other athletes I live, uh, I interview and I'm not going to lie to you, Laura, every single athlete makes, tell, make sure to tell me how incredible going through the airport is and getting all your Nike and your, your, uh, your, uh, Ralph Lauren and everybody loves going into that part of it. So I, clearly it sounds like a good time. So hopefully one day I could just go and watch. Cause it seems like you guys are all in heaven there. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So then you get the opportunity, you're there, uh, especially I know in Asia or, or um, you know, Western countries, continent, so Australia, Asia, um, really that jet lag is what affects us the most, right? Because you're coming from Texas, so that well, I don't even know what that time difference is. It's crazy. It's essentially just flipping your days apart. Um, so, you know, you're there, you have the opportunity to to get in and those two weeks really get everything going. I mean, rolling then right in, your foot's still not right. Right. Like, so, so what are you doing to make sure like that you're not using up too much energy or saving it? Like, like what, what does that time period look like to make sure everything is good for when you actually compete? Um, well, I mean, there wasn't much they could do without doing that surgery. So it just kind of was what it was. I couldn't wear, I had a hard time walking barefoot. So walking on the pool deck was hard. So we kind of, it, we started with like a kayak shoe because it had a thick rubber sole, but then, um, we got a tennis shoe that was really light and that worked much better. And so I would wear that like, and I would wear it walking up the tower because you have to walk on the ball of your foot to walk up the ladder. And that's the most painful part. So I would wear that shoe up to the 10 meter and throw it down, try not to hit people. Um, yeah, scared a lot of people. Uh, I think I made a lot of camera guys angry but you know, you got to do what you got to do. And so, you know, it was a little frustrating because like at one point, like the whole team got to go to this theme park and I couldn't go because I, I couldn't do the walking and stuff. So that was a little frustrating, but, um, I was allowed to wear tennis shoes and opening ceremonies, even though nobody else did. So, you know, I kind of got a buy on that one, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't better. It hurt all the time. I was in a lot of pain. I mean, I look back at my journal entries and I was like, wow. I mean, I knew, I remembered that it hurt, but wow. I mean, it was, I was in agony. It was, it was very rough, but at the same time, I knew it was just temporary and I knew it was just to get through this and I, I just had to make it through. And so I think that that purpose just, it just drives you, you know what I mean? And the pain it's there, but it, it doesn't matter as much. I know what you're saying, but I absolutely do not know what you mean uh, because I've never been through and really I'm not going to lie to you. We'll never go through anything like that, but that's why we have people like you and that's why I'm people like me. So thank you for that. We appreciate your representation and it's such an unbelievable way. And yeah, let's get to it. I mean, you won the gold medal with a broken foot. Like what's like, that's ridiculous. Like tell like, what was that realization like when you, you saw the numbers go up and you realize you're like, whoa, I just won. I'm the best in the world at something. Oh, and by the way, I'm not even at a hundred percent. Like, 
what are those thoughts like? What are those emotions like that run through you? Um, I mean, it's, well, I didn't even realize I won at, at the end, like, cause I couldn't see the scoreboard. So, you know, I was doing okay, but I was really far behind going into finals. We do five dives in the finals and I was like 25 points back. And, you know, my first two dives were okay, but they weren't nearly as good as like the top four girls. So I was kind of falling further behind. But then in the third round, like the way we were seated, I was fifth. Um, and so like the four top people would go after me. And so I was kind of like leading the charge, so to speak. And so in the third round, it was kind of my money dive. I'd been doing it really well all summer and I just drained it. I mean, not a drop of water. I got like nine and a halves across the board. Like it was really, really good. And I was like, oh, okay, great. You know, that's awesome. And, and I just ran back to my area to kind of sit and get ready for the next one. And all of a sudden I started hearing all these low scores. Mind you, the reason I'm hearing them is because the batteries in my headphones died in the middle of the Olympic Games, and I didn't have an extra pair of batteries because back then they were... I was going to say, You can't yeah. just charge it into the wall, right? So, yes, everything that could go headphones, wrong, wrong yeah. Headphones with batteries. Laura, we are... Yes, oof, yes I was nine at the time. Uh, I know I said it once, but I'll say it again. Yeah. I was nine at the time. Anyway, thanks, I apologize. Thanks for rubbing that in there. I appreciate Love it. That. No, appreciate you. Appreciate you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm hearing all these low scores. I'm like, well, that's really weird. Like, Canada just missed a dive. That's unusual. Then I hear low scores again. I'm like, wow, the other Canadian girl missed. Like, that's really weird. They've been diving so great. And then I hear more low scores, like two more times. I'm like, oh my gosh, China just ate it. Like, that's just weird. China, I mean, I've been training with them. I had been in the same training session with them the entire month we had been there. And I don't think I ever saw them miss a dive. I mean, they were like machines, like every single time, just rip entries, rip entries, just beautiful. And they just got like threes and fives on their dives. It was weird. And so I knew at that point I had caught up. I had no idea what the scores were. I couldn't see them from where I was sitting, but I knew that like they just ate it hard and I just, I just leveled up. So I've got to be within striking distance of a medal. Like that's all I knew. But the fourth round dive was like the dive I had been really struggling with because that's the one that's the same action I broke my foot on. Like you stand backwards, but you throw toward the platform. So I was really, and my legs were straight. So I was really scared. I was going to hit the platform again because you come really close. And then it also hurt because you have to stand on the ball of your foot and put all your weight into it to push off of it. So I'd been struggling with this one dive. Um, since I came back, it was like the kind of my nemesis at that point. Um, and I remember walking up to the platform and Kenny tells me instead of like, giving me these great words of wisdom and telling me all these amazing things to do to stay in the lead. He just goes, do it for Hillary. And he walks off and I'm like, what? Like, how is that supposed to help me? And I keep looking back and he has just left. He has just walked off. And so I'm walking up the tower and I'm kind of, I'm like, okay, I'll go there. Well, Hillary was a teammate of mine and she had been, a, she died in a car accident three years before that meet. And she had been a really good gymnast. Like she had made the Olympic trials in gymnastics, um, was the first alternate for the 92 Olympic gymnastics team. Um, cause she had broken the growth plate in her shoulder and was struggling. And so they didn't end up taking her. And, um, she started diving the next year, like the same year I did. And so we were fast friends. And I remember I would always, talked to her about the Olympics and how close she came. Cause she was the only person I knew that had ever come so close. And I remember her saying that she wasn't sure if she wanted to go to another Olympic trials, like in diving, she just didn't know if she could come that close again and not make it. And, but I remember she said, if anybody on our team is going to make it, it's going to be you. And that's what I remembered as I'm walking up that platform for that dive. And it just dawned on me that like, this isn't just my dream. Like winning an Olympic gold medal, making the Olympic team, it's not just my dream. This was her dream too. All those little kids who didn't let me quit when I wanted to quit, when my foot was all mangled up and I'm pretending to dive, like this is all their dream. And most of them are probably not going to get to be here. Like, and it just started, I just started to realize like how much bigger this was than just my little dream. And it kind of gave me this incredible purpose. You know, it wasn't like this pressure. It was like this purpose, you know, and 
I remember going out to do that dive and I lifted my hands up and I felt like I was six feet tall and I just, I didn't care about the pain and I didn't care if I hit the platform. I just gave it everything I had. And I did the best one of those I had done since I broke it and, um, got more nines and stuff. And I stayed in the lead by like less than a point, I think maybe a point. And, um, it was kind of this amazing moment to me because everything just changed at that point. I knew my last dive would be good. I didn't know how good, but it was, it was an easy dive for me. Um, but I remember getting up before my last dive they announced my name and I'm just, I'm just looking around at the arena and I'm realizing that I am like living in my dream. I'm at the Olympic games. I don't know what's about to happen, but I'm in the finals. I'm in a hunt for a medal. Like this is the dream. It's not necessarily the medal. It's like being in that moment and fighting for it, you know? And I just soaked it up and I have like a panoramic picture in my head of like what the stadium looked like, like where my coach was, where my team was going crazy, where my family was sitting. Um, just, and just that feeling, you know, and really living it out. And, um, I mean, the dive was good. It wasn't great, but it was solid. Um, but then we had to wait for the last four girls to go to see if somebody could catch me because I was totally catchable. And I kept looking at my coach because from where they made us stand, I couldn't see the scoreboard, but he could. So I would look at him and every time somebody would go, he'd turn around and go, yes, you know, and he'd fist pump. And I'm like, okay, I guess we're still in there. Like, that's great. And when the last girl went, she went flying past vertical and he just ran over and picked me up and he kept saying, we did it. We did it. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, we got a medal. Great. You know, and I didn't realize what happened until he just kept saying, we did it. We did it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we, we must've won. (laughs) I didn't even know. It was this really, really cool moment and just like super special to share it with him. And I didn't even find out the score until like after the whole ceremony, I didn't get to see what happened. So it was a, yeah, pretty epic moment. Yes. Epic. I think people throw that word around a little too much, but I think that is the perfect way. I mean, I got chills like three or four times during that story. Um, I mean, you know, you, you are just so right that it's, it's not just, your dream it is of course and you were able to literally live out something that you usually would think about when you're falling asleep or you are asleep and you actually have the opportunity to do it and crush it and win um but you know that's just it's an that's an incredible story laura i absolutely love that that is so great so congratulations on that but um so i guess like where after the games you know opening ceremonies close ceremonies you do all that stuff you get everything going the experience sounds like it was incredible after the games, I'm assuming you then got your foot fixed, or at least I hope you got your foot fixed, right? Yeah. Well, they actually ended up going in and they were going to, the plan was to rebreak it, to do all that stuff. But when they went in and they took that bone that was lodged underneath, they took that out. They decided that they didn't want to do any more because they were afraid they were going to like do more damage trying to fix it, like, like mm-hmm. overcorrecting it a bit. So they kind of left the rest of it the way it was. So it's not totally like normal, but it's, it's functional. I still lose feeling a little bit sometimes mm-hmm. in it, but I can walk on it just fine. I can wear okay. my heels again, you know, there we go. Stuff, so. As long as yeah, walking, I think is pretty important when it comes to feet. Um, so how, how, how soon after, I mean, you got the, to enjoy the games, come home, spend time with your family. How soon after was the surgery? Um, it wasn't until November, mid-November. So it was a couple months. Okay. So yeah, it was a little while. It's a little bit extra pain, but it's a nice reminder. I mean, when you had that pain, you probably thought, you know, it was worth it. I did win the gold medal. Um, that is just super cool. So, um, I know most of our time has been spent so far and, and, uh, just kind of throw up a hand when we need to really start getting forward. But you also went to the 2004 Olympics. You went to the 2008 Olympics. I don't want to gloss over two momentous occasions because not many people go to one, very few people go to three. I mean, what were then the next four years? Like, were you again, going back to kind of top dog knowing like, okay, I won the gold in Oh, you know, you know, 2000. So rather than now I'm the hunted, I'm not the hunter. What, what was that like? Or did you even have any emotions or feelings like that? 
Um, oh yeah. Well, and I went back to school to try to finish my degree. Um, I had two more semesters mm. left, so I was taking like an incredible workload, um, trying to get through that. And so I really didn't dive the next spring. I got back in for the summer, dove for like two months, competed in nationals and got fifth, which let me tell you, after winning the Olympic games, coming back to get fifth at nationals was very humbling, but mm -hmm. it was the best, best thing that could have happened. Cause I was super nervous and I didn't know how to handle it. And I didn't know, you know what I mean? It was, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And when I got fifth, it was just awesome because nobody, I mean, people cared, but like nobody cared at the same time. You know, mm -hmm. I mean? nobody, nobody thought differently of me. Nobody thought, oh my gosh, she's so gone. She should just quit now and watch. Like nobody, maybe they said those things behind my back, but uh. nobody said that to me. Nobody acted different to me. And that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. And I started to realize, okay, I've seen a lot of amazing divers that have had bad meets or that have not done well, or they go through these seasons. And I started to realize that's probably how people see me too. And that's okay. Like that's, that's normal. Like you have good meets and you have bad meets. And just because you come in fifth at nationals after winning the Olympics, doesn't mean you're total, you know, you're gone or you're total, you know, over the hill and done with, you know, so that was a really great experience for me. Um, and then I really kind of came back after I finished school in 2002 and kind of geared up for 04, um, had to learn a whole bunch of new dives because when I was away finishing school, everybody else learned this incredible degree of difficulty that I didn't have. And so I was playing catch up at that point. And um, in 2004, uh, there was a test event again in, in Athens um, before the Olympic Games, and it was our World Cup. And they, they generally do that before each Olympic Games, which is awesome. We get to see the Olympic pool, dive in it. It's a test event for them. Um, and I actually won that World Cup, which is the first other world title that I had won. And so that was a really big deal. I felt great going into Athens, um, really confident. And I played it safe on one dive in the finals and that cost me a medal. And so that's, to me, that was also, because I'm not somebody who plays it safe. I generally go like all out on everything. I'm an all or nothing kind of person. And so it's still like, you know, and it was hard because like, I didn't dive bad. I didn't totally miss that dive. I got like maybe six and a half sevens, but it kept me out of the medals. And that was a really hard to walk away from. Like, I can't be disappointed because I dove good, but I didn't do what I should have done. And so that was kind of hard. And I was fired up after that to keep going. Um, but then in 2000, early, like I had started to have a lot of wrist problems going in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Why what? Why did you play it safe? Like what, what was the reasoning at this moment in time where you're like, no, 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 let's play it safe right here. Like what, what think, was that? Well, I mean, it's a dive that I sometimes struggled with because it was kind of new. Mm -hmm. And I was worried because the, at the Worlds the year before, I went all out and I landed on my face. And so I was oh. worried if I went all out that I was going to do something stupid trying to hit it really hard. So I was obviously not in the right frame of mind. So I totally, and I know I played it safe. I like literally thought about it and I can't, I still can't believe I did that, you know, but it was, it was a great lesson, a hard lesson to learn at that mm -hmm. moment. But a good lesson going forward, um, and you know, the, so I got fired up to kind of keep going for at least another year through World Championships. But I'd had this these wrist issues, and I ended up having a surgery in January on my wrist. Um, and we didn't know it at the time, but it totally was a botched surgery. And when I came back and I was trying to dive, it was I was in an excruciating amount of pain, even just on the lower springboard levels and stuff. But I kept thinking, if this is my last meet, you know, if, if 2005 Worlds is going to be my last one, like I've, I've got to get back up there and I've got to dive and it was every single dive that I did on 10 meter. I didn't know if it was going to be my last dive because it was that painful. Like some workouts I would get 10 dives in some workouts I'd get two. Like I just didn't know it was excruciating. Um, but I learned some great lessons along that, that just like, it doesn't matter how many you do, you have got to have that mindset of quality. Like you've got to make this one count. Cause if this is it, it has to be great, you know? And so it really elevated 
the way I thought about going into it, which was a far cry from playing it safe in Athens, you know, cause here I had to go all out, but I had to make it count. And so it was really a great like time, even though it was extremely painful going into that, that world championships. And it's actually the first time I ever won a prelims. Like I, I always dove terrible in prelims and then like lit it up in finals. And my coach used to joke, he goes, I mean, it's great. You're a finals diver, but you got to make it to finals to be a finals. That's a good point. That's a pretty good point. I know. So this is actually the first time I won the prelims. And that was like shocking to me. And then I was like, oh no, I won the prelims. Like, what does that mean? Is it backwards? <laughs> Did we reverse it? Oh no. I know. And I had to go after, we were in Montreal and I had to go after the hometown girl who is amazing. Um, and so that was like really a lot of pressure too. And so she would get this huge like crowd riled up, you know, and I would go right after her, but it was awesome. Cause I was able to stay in the moment and, and I, I led the whole way through. And so that was really cool to come out with my first world championship title too. So although that was kind of a tumultuous, like, you know, two years, um, I learned a lot and it was really, really awesome. And you won a couple unbelievable yeah. events along the way. So not too bad. Yeah. Not, not, not a couple, you know, you have a few gold medals to hang around your neck. I think that that's pretty darn cool. Um, and then I guess, I mean, what happened then between 04 and 08, it sounds like you were very close to quitting slash, well, not call it quitting, but retiring due to your wrist. Um, when did you find out that it was a Bosch surgery and when did you, I guess, have that fixed and realized you really needed the fix one more time to go to the Olympics? Nice. That was very nice. Thank you. Yeah, I'm getting good. I'm getting pretty good at this. I, I don't like to see my horn, but I, I, I like that one. I'm good. Michael's getting smooth. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about retiring after, after that world. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but at that world, when, when the meet was over, I was goofing around and I started doing this lead up for this really hard dive. Um, I, I was doing a gainer two and a half on five meter and I made him really easy and I was surprised. And my coach looked at me and he said, you know, when people are going to retire, they they generally aren't learning new dives. And he just kind of like smiled at me and walked off and, you know, got me thinking. And like, I went home the next week and learned this big new dive and I competed at two weeks later at nationals and did it well. And I was like, yeah, I think I want to keep going. I think I want to learn some more. And, um, so I actually learned like three really difficult dives that, um, only some of the men were doing at the time. And it wasn't until like later in 2006 that, that we realized my wrist was really messed up. We had another doctor look at it and I had another surgery um, at the end of the summer season in 2006 that kind of fixed it up as much as they could, but lost a lot of range of motion. Which mm. was unfortunate. I had to start doing handstands kind of on my fingertips. But um, other than that, you know, I was kind of, kind of doing, doing good after that. But um, going into 08, I mean, I was doing this monster list of dives, but I was diving really well. Um, and at the Olympic trials, I went the highest score I'd ever gone by far. Um, and I was so excited, like everything was coming together. I was doing all these big dives, but there were kind of an, a lot of external circumstances going into 08, like our, our governing body and the way things were being handled and, and the, what we were having to be put through, like there were selection committees. So it was like, I, I, we earned our spot, but yet we had to continue to prove it. And there, there were just kind of a lot of things going on. And we went to the Olympics. We were there for a month. We never got to leave and get out of the village. Like there were a lot of things um, that were happening that way. And so by the time my meet came around, I was kind of burnt out. Um, and so that was, that was really frustrating to me because I knew that was my last one before retirement. So I didn't, didn't like ending on such a bad note. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I still got like ninth in the Olympics. So it's not terrible, you know, just top 10 in the world. Oh no. Right. But for what I had been doing, yeah. I should have been in the hunt for a medal. And so mm -hmm. that for me was really kind of ending on a sour note, which was unfortunate, but I still tried to make the most of it and walk away with great memories. And, you know, I think I was still able to do that. I mean, I, and I was in the pool, I got to watch Michael Phelps win four of those eight gold medals. So, you know, 
it was still kind of a win. <laughs> could be worse. You could have been in a much worse position. So you knew going into 08, though, that it was going to be your last um, Olympics. You weren't going to compete at any other ones, especially the ones coming up in like a <laughs> Well, I mean, I was 30. You know, I was already like double the age of a lot of my competitors. And um, I wanted to have kids. We were ready mm-hmm. to start families. So okay. that's really hard to do when you're diving. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we, I just knew that it wasn't so much that I didn't want to dive. Mm-hmm. I definitely needed a break and I wanted to have kids. Okay. Very cool. Well, unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, we heard a little bit about those kind of issues that were, were, were around. Um, it is what it is. Really can't do much about it now, especially because it's 11 years in the past, but very unfortunate, very, um, you know, obviously we all wish it could have went differently, but it still sounds like, again, top 10 in the world. I understand what you were gunning for and what you were trying to do, but I think that that's pretty darn cool. Um, and you clearly had some amazing finishes and you had some amazing times. I mean, you've been to the Olympics three times. Like let's, that's incredible. And again, I'm sorry to everybody that we kind of had to just kind of go over the last two very quickly. Um, but then you kind of came back, right? Like to, uh, 2012, 2016, you decided that you wanted to, or I guess, you know, to uh, explain that process and how you were brought onto the team at NBC and you were able to go and really be able to still experience the games just from a different angle and a different perspective. Yeah, I was stoked to get the call from NBC that they wanted help in London. Um, I worked for the dot-com side, and I was actually doing a lot with the, the P&G house. It was um, like Team USA always has a house where like the friends and family can go and kind of get pampered, meet up with the athletes. Um, it's kind of a nice like resource, I mean, when mm-hmm. you're in a foreign country, you know. Um, and so we were doing a lot of features on the P&G house and what they were doing with some of their sponsored athletes. And so it was a really cool opportunity for me to do something outside my realm, but still be at the Olympics. And I got to kind of sneak in and sit behind the booth and watch David Budaya win his gold medal, which was amazing. Um, and so that was really fun. And, and they called me again to do um, Rio and do the Olympic trials before Rio. And I got to be an analyst this time on the pool deck, which was really nice. I didn't get to see too much diving in London, mm-hmm. but I got to be on the pool deck and like analyzing dives and um, kind of talking from there. And so it was, that was really fun. It was kind of hard because I couldn't really see the diving all that great. I had to watch replays because we were on the wrong side of the pool. So that was a little frustrating, but all the divers had to walk by us on their way out. So I got to talk to a lot of like my old friends and my Mm -hmm. old competitors. And so to me, that was really, that was really a fun time and a really cool experience. And we we racked up so many medals for USA. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We did pretty darn well. Um, That's fantastic. That's got to be such a cool experience for you, but what, so I mean, I think I said it in the beginning, you're coming back like for 2020, you're, you're, you're gunning for it again. I mean, was it, was 2012 not enough to see or, or was it 2016 getting that much closer? Like what was the reason that, or, or was it the family situation? Cause I know you have four kids, if I'm not mistaken, you know, like, like what was, why now just out of curiosity, like what, what, what is the thing that you were like, you know what, let's try one more time. Well, um, I mean, it wasn't like some snap decision, obviously. Um, You know, in 2012, I actually got tickets to watch the women's platform. Um, I was there with a sponsor kind of telling them, like explaining the the event to them. And it was really hard to watch, Mm -hmm. Um, not just because I wasn't in it, but because it wasn't a very good contest. Oh, uh, well. Four years before in 08, the girls were like on fire doing huge dives and here the degree of difficulty had dropped and people were not diving as well. The top girl did, the girl who won did, it was the same girl who won in 08, but the rest of the field, you know, not to like diminish what they did as a performance, but just comparing it to the field I was used to competing in. It was very frustrating to watch. And, you know, I had those thoughts about, Mm -hmm. well, if I had just kept diving. I could have won, yeah. Right. But I had a child at that point and we were about to go to China and and pick up our, our second daughter who we adopted from China. 
Um, so I was like, okay, well, I can't be that upset. Like this is, you know, just not in my deck of cards, but the thought was in the back of my mind. Well, like maybe, maybe I should get in and play if the diving's not that maybe, you know, maybe I should play. But then six months later, you know, I ended up pregnant with my son. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to make a promise to myself that after my son is born, if I get into shape, I'm just going to go play in the water and just see, you know, and maybe, maybe I'll just have fun. I'll be like, that was great. Peace out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, you know, so my son was born and, uh, I didn't get in shape for a while. (laughs) It took quite a while. Um, but it was kind of like, yeah, I guess like the the very end of 2015, early 2016, um, we, I just brought the kids to the pool deck to say hi to my coach because we hadn't been over there in a while. I wanted them to see the pool. And, um, he goes, well, is there ever a day, like you don't have all the kids, you can come play, just hop in the water and like have fun. And, and I was like, wow, there's like Monday. There's one day a week where I'm all three of my kids are in preschool. Like I could come, I could come play. And he goes, well, come do that. So for one hour on, on a Monday, like every Monday for a while, I would come and I'd get in the water and I was so embarrassed because I was, I mean, it's not like I gained a lot of weight, but I felt like I was this fat out of shape old lady. And here I am trying to dive with these people who were now training for the Olympics. And they were like the little kids when I was this elite diver. So the last time they saw me in the suit, I was like shredded and like awesome and diving amazing. And now I'm like this fat old lady trying to do a fall in you know, so that was like a very humbling process, but I mean, everybody was super sweet about it. And, you know, so I would just kind of play. And then I started going to dry land and trying to flip a little bit to see if I could do that. And, and things started to come back kind of quickly. And I was surprised. And so that summer, I remember asking Kenny, I said, okay, just be honest with me. If I said, I wanted to try and do this again, like, am I crazy? And that's, I think that's totally how I said it. And he looked at me and he just goes, springboard or platform? I said, platform. He goes, no. I mean, immediately, no. <laughs> so I said, okay. And I didn't say another word because they had the Olympic trials and Olympics that summer. I didn't say a word. Um, and that was really, there was a side to Rio that was really fun and awesome to be a part of it and to be on the pool deck watching and, and getting to um, interview people and, and all that good stuff. But then it was also really hard that I felt like I had this big secret and this big wish inside me that I couldn't share with anybody because it wasn't the right time, you know, mm-hmm. you want to do that. And, and I'm here to, to watch and, and to, to be part of this. So that was kind of a weird time, you know, to, to kind of keep all that in. But then that fall, we came home and I just kind of started showing up to practice and um, Kenny was like, all right let's do this thing. So I got my dives off, um, and competed the next year at nationals, got second. And I put so much pressure on myself. I did not dive well, but, um, you know, it was still, it was a good, good start back, learned a lot of things. But then in 2018, I really didn't get back up on 10 meter much because we had a really hard adoption, bringing home our fourth child from Ethiopia. Um, and so that just kind of gave us a lot of struggles, but I got back up there last fall and I was hoping to, um, compete at the trials in December to, to make some international meets this spring. Um, and I, my arm was collapsing every time I got up there. It was really weird. And I had had some, some issues with my tricep before my wrist, but you know, it's just old injuries. You think that's just a diving thing, but they MRI'd my neck again and, um, it had gotten really bad and, uh, there was a lot of degeneration. It was like totally clamping down on my nerves uh, that run down my arm. And so we did a cervical fusion, uh, the day after Christmas. And so I'm still recovering from that at the moment. I should be released to be back in the water at the end of March, March 25th. So I'm super excited to be getting close. I'm in rehab right now. I've got almost full range of motion. Um, and I'm feeling pretty good. I just, I'm not allowed to run and jump yet. And it's driving me crazy. So I feel, I feel good enough to do that. And I'm ready to start just flipping around again and and see where it goes. What was it like coming back and just kind of just, just stomping your foot and be like, Hey guys, I'm back second place. You know, haven't done this for a couple of years. What's up? Like, what is that? That's gotta be a pretty cool feeling to come back and do that. I mean, that's incredible. 
well, if you saw the meet, you wouldn't think so. Like I won the prelims and then in the semifinals, I balked twice on my handstand. I couldn't believe it. Like I, okay. So if you, if you moved with your hands, like that's considered a balk and they deduct, um, what is it like two points? Um, but I kicked up and came down. And so that's, that's a balk. And I've like never done that in a competition before. I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my gosh, okay, just keep it together. Well, then I kicked up again and I walked with my hands, which is another balk and two balks is a failed dive. Like they give you zeros. So I still did my dive and it was good, but I got zeros. And so I almost didn't even make it into the finals. Like I had to come fighting back, but it was really cool because I realized that I still have the fighter inside. And I came back with four really good dives. And I made it into the finals. Um, but then, you know, I put all this pressure on myself too. And so I missed, you know, a dive that I shouldn't have missed. And, um, you know, but it was, it was again, great experience, but it was like, wow, I've not like, I've not been in the right headspace here. You know, I've got, I've got to like, remember how to do that. Mm -hmm. you know? It's kind of been cool to walk through that again. I was going to say, I mean, the first one coming back has got to be a little different and kind of remembering not just the diving aspect of it, but the mental aspect and, and what it's like competing and all those things. I mean, again, you've been away for so long. Um, you know, that's, that's really important. I mean, it was 10 years essentially, right? From 08 to 18? Yeah. 17? Yeah. 17, yeah. So 17, so nine years. Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, just to come back and be able to, again, just like – almost reclaim your spot at the top. I just think that that is so cool. Um, I love it. So um, congratulations. Good luck. I think it's incredible. I know we only have like four or five minutes left. I'm really sorry we kept talking, but I've been having so much fun. I apologize. Oh, that's awesome. So a couple things. So one, um, you have a podcast coming out, don't you? I, mm -hmm. I do. It just Let's talk about that. Yeah, it just launched in January. Um, so, And I'm loving the podcasting thing. It's so fun to talk to cool people. It is, isn't it? I love it so much. Um, yeah, so it's called Hope Sports and you can, you know, get it wherever you listen to podcasts, but we, I love it. We talk to all kinds of athletes. We talk to NASCAR drivers, um, you know, NFL guys, all Olympic champions, everybody basically to talk to them, not just about their great stuff, but about their struggles and about how they found purpose through their performance, like purpose beyond their performance. There's more to it than just standing on the top of the podium. So that has been really cool, really inspiring for me in my journey coming back. Um, I really loved it. So that's been great. Yeah. Going yeah, I, th there. I think um, hearing all those incredible stories, if that doesn't give you inspiration, let's be honest, I don't really know what's going to. So all of that will be in the show notes. Everyone have a link to that. I'll probably put it on the social feeds as well. So you get all that as well. Um, so thanks for explaining that. And then you also have something else coming out. Um, we're specifically releasing this on March 18th, this episode that you're listening to right now. So hopefully it is March 18th, but not. Um, something's happening on the 20th, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yes, I'm very excited. Um, so I talked a lot about the mental stuff and that's kind of my jam. And, and I'm having to be like walking through it again and like relearning everything. And I've put it all together in an online course that I want to give to other athletes to step up their mental game. And it's everything from goal setting to dealing with fear to dealing with failure, preparation, visualization, like all of the things are in there. And it's been beautiful for me to like create this course and put it together because I've needed to walk back through it. And so I'm doing everything that's in there and it's just been so helpful and so beneficial. And so I'm excited to bring it to everybody. Um, yeah, we're opening the cart on March 20th. It's only going to be open for a couple of weeks because I want to walk this kind of inaugural group through it and get their feedback and turn around and make it even better the next time around. I love it. That is incredible. You have so much cool stuff going on. Um, you ha you've done some pretty cool stuff in the past too. We got to talk about a lot of it. Too. So thank you so much. Um, Laura, I think that's about it. Uh, Laura Wilkinson, USA diving, three-time Olympian, gold medal winner, has a family. We really didn't get to do, get to that part. I apologize. She has a podcast. She has a mental training course. This lady does everything. Texas <laughs> is back. Laura, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks, Michael, for having me on.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Laura Wilkinson. Uh, make sure to follow her on all the sh- in the all of her socials. Everything's in the show notes. Make sure to check out her podcast, Hope Sports. Uh, make sure to check out the mental training course if you're interested. Get the, get in there while you still can. Um, yeah, I mean, as you heard, she's an incredible person. She has so much stuff going on. She's such a great person. And she's gunning for another Olympic Games 20 years after the first one she made it to. So super excited for her. I'm so, so happy I had the opportunity to get her on today. Um, and yeah, I mean, other than that, don't please don't forget, uh, follow us at ourathletes.us on Instagram, at ourathletes.us say on twitter check out launchingpodcast.com shout out to them use promo code mike for 50 dollars off their step-by-step video course on how to build your own podcast and yeah i mean please rate review comment share subscribe do whatever you have to do to get this a little bit extra bump in the uh the itunes store in the apple podcast spotify google wherever stitcher wherever you're listening to this um but thank you all so so much for listening and i hope you have a wonderful day <music>